I think most of us can relate to a, a, an event where you just feel funny and you hope it's not going to last forever. Um, I can remember a time in my life where I just felt like I got knocked on my keister, where something just came out of left field and, uh, and changed everything in my life. And I'm sure most of you probably have an event that you can think of. Uh, and the event that I want to share with you today is uh, when I was in Bible college, so I was about 19, 20 years old, I'd gone to Bible college out in Seattle, and, and I was studying music. I wanted more than anything else to be a musician. And in fact, uh, when Ryan was talking uh, earlier about Keith Green, I grew up in the era of Keith Green. Some of you remember Keith. I had, I had Keith Green records, LPs, Ryan. In fact, I think I still have. Uh, it's probably worth a lot of money. I don't know. Uh, but, but I was a Keith Green fan, and, and more than anything, I wanted to be like Keith Green. I mean, that was, that was my dream, to travel and, and sing and lead people in worship. And, and more than anything, I wanted to be famous. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but that's, you, you know, I, I just wanted that kind of life. And so I went to college. I was studying music. I was working hard, loving life, lo- loving everything about my life. And I knew I wanted to serve the Lord with music, but, uh, but, but I just, I was really single focused on what I wanted. And I remember my sophomore year, uh, on a Sunday night, I decided to go to a church that I didn't normally attend, and I walked into this service, and there was a speaker there that was just really a great speaker, and I enjoyed his message very much. And at the end of the message, he asked anybody that felt like they wanted to respond to his message to come to the front and spend some time in prayer. So I got up out of my seat, and I went down to the front, and uh, you know, it wasn't much like this. It was kind of a traditional church, but they had lots of area where you could you could pray. And so I got down on my knees and I just began to pray to the Lord. I don't remember what the sermon was about. I don't remember what the next steps were. I just remember going to the front to pray. And the next thing that happened, I do remember like it was yesterday. I heard God speak to me. I heard God speak to me. Now, the last several weeks we've been talking about, you know, praying in the spirit and using the sword of the spirit. We've talked about when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you're going to be really effective in the battle, right? And, and we've unpacked a little bit about how that happens and how you can hear God speak to you. And this is one of those experiences in my life where I knew God spoke. Now, I didn't hear an out loud voice. Nobody around me heard God speak. But it was one of those things internally, I heard God say my name and he gave me a specific direction. And, uh, and in, my, in my heart, I heard God say, Russ, I want you to be a preacher. Now, hearing God say that to me, I am not joking. It knocked me on my keister. It knocked me. I was going to be a musician. I was going to be famous. I was going to record. I was going to be in the studio. I I, I had all these plans laid out. And and God said to me, Russ, I want you to be a preacher. And I, I remember getting up from that church, stumbling out, driving back to campus, and going to my dorm room and just feeling like, I am either crazy or out of my mind or both. I, I, don't, I, I mean, just completely floored that God would speak to me with those words. And so um, the next day I gathered a, a group of my friends together. I had a number of friends that uh, were close to me and I really trusted their spiritual wisdom. And I said, listen, I was in church last night. This is what God said to me. I need you to pray for me. Because if this is really God, I have to change course. I have to change course. 
And I'm going to have to do something different with my life that I never imagined. And so um, my friends prayed and they said, yeah, Russ, I think that's, I mean, it sounds like God. I, th- I think maybe that would be a good direction for your life. And, y- you know, they just really encouraged me. So my next step, because I knew I had to do something. If this is really God, I have to do something with this. So the next thing I did, I went, uh, it was a Bible school. So I went to the preaching professor and I walked into his office. His name was Dr. Brady. And I said, Dr. Brady, I think God wants me to be a preacher and I want to enroll in your classes. And he looked at me, he paused for just a moment, and then he laughed out loud. And just cut me off at the knees. <laughs> because he didn't see what, what, what evidently God saw in me. And so I'm going to finish this story a little bit later, but I want to ask the question again, what do you do when God just knocks you on your keister? Or what happens when life just knocks you on your keister. Your story might be completely different than mine. I saw a number of you raise your hands and what you're thinking of might be very different than my experience. This morning, Pastor Jeff is teaching at our Bozeman campus and uh, he's sharing a story from his life when he was a teenager and he was involved in uh, a drunk driving accident that could have ended very tragically and it didn't, but it knocked him on his keister and the morning after he had an encounter with God that changed everything. And maybe you can relate to some of these things. Maybe, maybe you've had an encounter where God spoke to you and it changed everything. Or maybe you've had an experience where uh, it was a drunk driving thing for you or a DUI. Or maybe you landed in jail and the morning after you woke up and you realized you have to do something really, really different. Maybe for you it was a moment of terrible indiscretion. And the next day you woke up and you realized you had to fix, and I'm air quoting here, you had to fix the problem with the morning after pill. Maybe that's your story. I I, I don't know what it is for you, but I know that the morning after one of these events that just knocks us for a loop, something changes. And what we do the morning after is critically important if we're really going to become everything God calls us to be. As a nation... We've been knocked on our keister the last month or so. It, it's been tough. If you're following the news, and I'm sure probably most of us are, we've, we've had a tough time in our country, haven't we? The racial unrest and the violence and the police shootings in Dallas. And it's just been all over the country. And really, it's been all over the world. Nice, that terrible tragedy in Nice and, and the stuff that's happened in Paris. Terrorism. I mean, we are being knocked on our keister. And it seems like almost every morning or every other morning, I wake up, I turn on the news, and, and the morning after these events, everybody's saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Who's going to lead us? What legislation are we going to enact? Where are we going to send our military? What are we going to do? And the morning after, we're struggling with, with, with how do we proceed after we've been knocked on our keisters. And today, we're going to take a look at a story about a man named Saul who was literally knocked on his keister. And we're going to see what the morning after looked for, like for him. But I want, to, I want to give you our big idea today first. And if you're taking notes, you'll want to write this down. Our big idea today is very simple. Jesus calls us to follow him the morning after. Jesus calls us to follow him the morning after. And uh, we're going to talk about what that looked like for Saul, and we're going to talk about what that looks like for us. 
So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn to your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in Acts chapter 9 today. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got a big stack of them back there. You're welcome to grab one. Uh, I like to use my phone. I've got a Bible app on my phone, iPad, whatever you like to use. And we'll be reading from the New Living Translation if you want to uh, follow along uh, in that version. And we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Saul. Now, there's a character in the Bible in the Old Testament named Saul who's a king. He was the first king of Israel. We're not talking about that guy. We're talking about Saul in the New Testament, the book of Acts. And this Saul would later have his name changed and would become Paul. And he went on to be a great church planter and a great missionary who literally changed the course of human history uh, as he followed Jesus. And we're going to see in this story that he was literally knocked on his keister. And it's a great story. So uh, Acts chapter 9. At the beginning of Acts chapter 9, we see uh, a really interesting thing. Saul is not yet a follower of Jesus, but he's a very devout Jew. In fact, he's a Pharisee. He's one of those guys that studied the scriptures and he was very devout, very, very zealous for his faith. And he had been authorized by the leading priests in Jerusalem to travel around the area and hunt down Christians. And when I say hunt, I mean literally hunt. He was hunting Christians and he was imprisoning them or he was executing them. It was like this incredible wave of persecution. He would have uh, been like the poster child for ISIS in our day. Uh, but but this, this was 2,000 years ago. And... Uh, He had presided over the execution of a great disciple of Jesus named Stephen. Uh, He had been stoned. And now, when we pick up the story in Acts chapter 9, Saul is traveling to Damascus in the country of Syria, and he has been authorized to continue hunting down Christians and putting them to death. And so uh, we're going to see that Saul thought he was on a mission from God. He, he really believed with everything in him that God was sending him on this mission of persecuting Christians. But we're going to see here in just a moment that Jesus called Saul instead to follow him. Have you ever, have you ever been on a mission in your life? Whatever, whatever that is. You were on a quest. You were on a career path. You were on an educational path. You were on a romantic path. It was your mission to get this accomplished. And all of a sudden, something interrupted it, knocked you on your keister, and the morning after you realized Jesus was calling you, this is what's happening to to Saul. And we're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see that Saul followed Jesus by changing course. Saul followed Jesus by praying. And Saul followed Jesus by submitting. And then at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about baptism because we're going to see that Paul is baptized eventually, or Saul was baptized. So if you've got your Bibles open, I'm going to start reading at verse 3 in Acts chapter 9. Here's what we read. As Saul was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now what an interesting thing for Jesus to say, right? Because Saul had been persecuting Christians and evidently Jesus was taking it really personally. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, 
the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now verse 7. The men with Paul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Now this is, this is so different from my story, because when I was praying in that church 30 years ago, nobody else heard the voice except me. But here in Saul's situation, the voice was a literal, out loud voice that everybody around Saul heard. And verse 8 says, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. And so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. We're going to push pause here. What's interesting in this story at this point is that it was the voice of Jesus that knocked Saul on his keister. It was just Jesus speaking that knocked him over. And it kind of reminds me of that story uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested just before he was crucified and this whole band of soldiers came to Jesus and and they said, "Are, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And if you've ever read the story, you'll remember. Jesus said, I am he. Do you remember what happened? All the soldiers just wiped out, just fell over. That's the power of the word of Jesus, which is awesome. And this is exactly what happened to Saul. He was knocked to the ground when, when Jesus spoke. And then what happened is when he got up, he couldn't see. He, he knew that he had to do something, uh, but he couldn't lead himself. And so this is what happened to him, and this is in your notes. Saul went from being the leader of his group to being a follower. Saul went from being a leader to being a follower. And the bottom line is that Saul was forced to follow Jesus by changing course. He was forced to follow Jesus by changing course. And that's number one in your notes. And that's, this is the, the thing that I want to suggest to you is the morning after when we're picking up the pieces and we've been knocked to the ground, whether it's, it, it's from from an outside force or it's God speaking to us or it's just a bad decision on our parts, when we're knocked to the ground, the morning after, when we're trying to figure out what to do, we follow Jesus usually, almost always, by changing course. He calls us to change course. The the Bible word for changing course is the word repent. Maybe you've heard that word before. Repent. Uh, and, And a lot of times we confuse repentance with remorse. We think, oh, I'm really sorry for doing that that bad thing. I'm really sorry that I've offended God. I feel bad. But repentance is really changing course. It's turning and going in the direction Jesus is leading, not just doing the same thing and feeling bad about it. And this is what happened to Saul. He changed course. Verse 9 says, He was in Damascus blind for three days and didn't eat or drink. And, uh, And it was a really interesting period of time for him it was almost it was almost like jesus being in the tomb you know dead for three days and we're going to see what happens to saul and so we're going to pick it up now at verse 10 and what we're going to see now is there's somebody else that jesus is talking to and 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 this person is named ananias and he has a really interesting part in this story so let's keep reading verse 10 now there was a believer in damascus named ananias and the lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. And Ananias replied by saying, Yes, Lord. And the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, 
to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. This is the guy that's just been knocked on his keister and is trying to figure out what to do. And the Lord said to Ananias, He is praying to me right now. He is praying to me right now. And this is number two on your outline. Saul followed Jesus by changing course, and then Saul followed Jesus by praying. Interesting that immediately after this experience, Saul knew not only did he have to cease leading this band and become a follower of Jesus, but he started praying to Jesus. What a great example for all of us. How how many times have I had a situation in my life where everything unraveled, I'm knocked on my keister, and the morning after, I'm just trying to figure out how to figure it out. And I'm thinking, and I'm maybe talking to my mom and dad. Oh, I forgot to mention, my dad's with us today, and today is his 79th birthday. I'm so excited. Happy birthday, dear dad. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Hey, look, a bird. Um, (laughs) Squirrel. All right. But how many times have I been knocked on my keister and, and, I try, and I, I'm trying to figure it out, but I don't even think to pray? Saul was a very wise man even from the time he first encountered Jesus because he set himself to pray. The morning after, what do you need to do? Sometimes, especially if there's a lot of shame involved, the last thing you might want to do is pray, but the smartest thing you can do is pray. And that's what was happening with Saul. Verse 12, this is Jesus now speaking to Ananias. And Jesus says, I have shown Saul a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. And Ananias is kind of connecting the dots now and he's not real excited about what Jesus is saying to him. He says, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, what does Ananias do? He went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is fascinating to me because Ananias is going through this same pattern we see in the life of Saul. Ananias changed course. I'm sure he had a plan for that day and it wasn't to go find the murderer that was killing all the Christians. But Ananias changed course. Ananias spent a significant time of prayer and it's all written down here for us in this text. Saul, or Ananias, prayed. And thirdly, Ananias submitted to what Jesus called him to do, and he went and he found Saul, even though he was terrified. Verse 18 says, Once Ananias got there, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Did I miss verse 17? All right, let's back up to verse 17. Sorry about that. Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus had had instructed him. And then the scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. 
And then the end of that verse says this, Then he got up and he was baptized. Turn to your neighbor and say, baptized. Saul got up and he was baptized. Now, I I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what was all going through Saul's mind. But it's so interesting to me in this story that Saul submitted to the Lord Jesus. Saul changed course. He prayed. And then as soon as he regained his sight, scales fell from his eyes, and he got up and he did what what Jesus called him to do. He submitted to Jesus. And here's the thing. I love this verse that says that when Ananias laid his hands on Saul, something fell from his eyes. You know why I love that verse? It's because of this. When we really submit to Jesus, all of a sudden we see everything clearly. It's really true. When I stop trying to be the master of my soul and the captain of my ship, I'm quoting that, that poem wrong, but uh, when, I'm, when I t- quit trying to be in charge of my life, when I really submit to Jesus, all of a sudden I can see things with clarity. And this is what happened to Saul. And his whole life changed. If you don't know his story, it's so awesome. But one of the first things that Saul did as soon as he submitted to Jesus is he was baptized. And we're going to be baptizing people in water today. I'm so excited. Bob, what do we got? Five people today being baptized? So awesome. Um, And let me tell you, uh, down in Bozeman this morning, we have three people being baptized. Do you know here in Great Falls, you guys consistently baptize more people than we do in Bozeman? I don't know exactly why, but uh, I love what's happening here. I love what's happening here because Jesus is changing people's lives. And water baptism is one of those evidences of people changing their lives as, as Jesus calls them to. But uh, Today, you might be here today and, and you've never been baptized. It might be that, that you're going to be knocked on your keister when we pray today and you're going to say, hey, I need to be baptized. I need to be obedient to what Jesus says. And, and I just want to stop in our story right here and just talk just for a couple of minutes about why baptism is so important. Because this might be new for you a little bit. Why is baptism so important? Well, there's three things in your notes that I want you to know. Number one, baptism is following Jesus' command. A lot of times people aren't aware that that Jesus commanded his disciples to do a few things. Not very many things, but baptism is one of them. Mark 16, 16 says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. And so for, for Jesus, being baptized is a very important evidence of being saved. You're not saved by being baptized. The Bible's really clear. We're not saved by doing anything. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But baptism is an evidence that you have been saved. It's one of the first things Jesus asks us to do in obedience to him. And this was the example of of Saul. It was the example of the early disciples. And, And every one of us, if we're believers in Jesus, need to be baptized just in submitting to him. Secondly, baptism is following Jesus's great commission. Uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen says, th- this is our mission. We say at Connect, our mission is to help people reconnect to God. But it's based upon this from Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we follow Jesus in this way. And then thirdly, in your notes, baptism is following Jesus' example. It's following Jesus' example. 
And if you've never read about Jesus being baptized, it's, it's referenced there in your notes, Matthew chapter 3, and we're not going to read that today. But in Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, John wasn't a Baptist because he went to a Baptist church. He was a Baptist because he baptized people. And, uh, and Jesus was baptized by John. And so we follow Jesus' example. Every once in a while I'm asked by people, you know, why, why do we have this big tank of water and dunk people, you know, instead of just sprinkling them? It, it just seems so much easier and less messy to sprinkle people. And my response is, we just want to do it the way Jesus did it, you know. And so we baptize uh, by dunking or by immersion, if that's a word that you like. And so this was what Saul did in submission to Jesus And then Saul went on to make this the pattern of his life. He changed course many times in his life. When Jesus interrupted his life, he changed course. He was a great man of prayer. I love studying the prayers of Saul who became Paul. And he submitted to Jesus again and again and again. And friends, Jesus calls you and me to follow him. He calls us to follow him, especially on the morning after. Especially when you've had one of these events that's knocked you on your keister and you're just trying to figure out what's next in my life. Jesus calls you and me to follow him. And today, if you've got those questions going around in your mind, let me just tell you, there's three simple things you can do and it's going to guide you for the rest of your life. Change course. Pray and submit to what Jesus is calling you to do. That submitting one, that third one, is maybe the hardest one for all of us. Because we like to be in control, right? How many of you like to be in control of your own life? Yep, I do too. Submitting is the hardest one. And there's a, there's a movie called A Matter of Faith great Christian movie. There's a line in that movie that uh, Pastor Jeff stumbled across this week, and it's up here on the screen. Uh, Should be in the center screen, I think. You can't just add Jesus to your life. You must submit to him. Isn't that a great line? I think lots of people in our world today have added Jesus to their lives. Maybe you're one of them. You come to church each week, you punch your time clock, your time card at Connect Church, and then you go out and you just live like the devil the rest of the week. And the challenge for us is to stop just adding Jesus to our life and really make him the, the operations control master of my life. Make him the captain of my life. Make him the boss of my life. Life. Jeff and I were talking about this this week, and Jeff said, lots of people don't like the word boss. And I said, yeah, I, that's kind of, that could be negative for lots of people, but what, what, the, the Bible says Lord, right? What's, what's a Lord? He's the one who is in control of your life. And submitting to him is such an important part of it. Listen, when I, when I had that experience when Jesus talked to me and said, Russ, I want you to be a preacher, and I I went to that homiletics professor and he laughed at me. Boy, that was discouraging. Because I thought, well, you know, here's, here's this great man of God. Maybe I didn't really hear God's voice. But I knew what I heard. I knew that Jesus was calling me to change course. I'd, I'd prayed. 
So I decided to go ahead and submit. I enrolled in those courses and I started taking classes on how to preach good sermons. And I will never forget, it's one of those highlights in my brain, I'll never forget the first class period where each of us in the class had to preach a five-minute sermon. I bet some of you wish we still preached five-minute sermons around here. We had to preach five-minute sermons, and I'd worked really hard, and I had everything laid out, and Dr. Brady was sitting in the back of the room, and I just preached my heart out for five minutes, and I finished, and I looked up from my notes, and I looked in the back of the room, and Dr. Brady was sitting in the back, and he had tears streaming down his face. And he said to me, Russ, thank you. He said, you challenged me today. And I don't know what that meant exactly, but I knew that was the first affirmation that I had heard Jesus speak to me. And I knew that for the rest of my life, I was going to follow him. And today I want to ask you the question. If today is a morning after for you, or maybe it's the day after, or the week after, or the month after, but you've been knocked on your keister, and Jesus is trying to get your attention, I want to ask you this morning, will you change course? Will you pray? Will you submit? Will you follow Jesus the morning after? Would you put your things aside and and pray with me? Just go ahead and uh, if you've got notes or Bibles or whatever, would you just put those aside? And and I want to ask you to do something physical with me this morning, would you? Um, Just sitting where you are, and if you feel comfortable doing this, and I hope you do, will will you just... uh, open your hands like this in a, in a position of receiving. The, I, just with our bodies, I want to say, Jesus, we're ready to receive from you. All right? And I want to pray for every one of us in this room. Jesus, today I am so, so grateful that in my life, you cared about me enough to interrupt my day-to-day life and speak to me. I am so thankful that you loved Saul enough and you loved humanity enough that you knocked him to the ground that day with your voice. And I know, Jesus, that every one of us in this room are deeply loved by you. And some of us, Lord, in the last day or week or so, we know that we've been knocked on our keister one way or another, and today we are ready to hear your instructions to us. So Lord, we're just opening our hands and we're opening our hearts to say, Jesus, speak to me. Jesus, speak to me. In fact, would you just pray that simple prayer with me? Would you say that out loud? Jesus, speak to me. One more time, would you say it? Jesus, speak to me. And Jesus, for those of us that need to change course, Lord, make it very clear to us. Even if it means we have to follow somebody else's lead, make it clear to us, Jesus, how to change course and which which way is the new direction. Jesus, some of us just need to stop trying to solve our own problems and we need to pray. Jesus, lead us into seasons of prayer. And then, Lord, when you call us to do the hard things... Help us to submit. Help us submit, Jesus. And Lord, some of us today, we've been followers of you. We've said yes to Jesus. We've received forgiveness of sins, but we haven't been baptized yet. 
and, and I, I, I know in Bozeman, I've had conversations with people, they're, they're just kind of being stubborn. And if anybody here in this room is still being stubborn about baptism, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to submit and just follow you with simple obedience. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. Well, I'm going to make a call for anybody who wants to be spontaneously baptized. If you feel a a, a tug on your heart this morning and then you want to follow the Lord in baptism, uh, I'm going to ask the other baptizees who... I've already I've already met with. If you please uh, take your make your way forward, and we'll, we're going to do a little interview here. But if you feel like the Lord is leading you to be baptized, please come up right now and and chat with me, and and we'll baptize you this morning too. We do have shorts available. We have shirts. We have towels. So we have everything available. So if you'd like to be baptized, just come on forward. And everybody, just come on over here in front in the lights. Sorry. <laughs> I also have uh, a little guy. Phil is getting baptized today, and uh, he has a little guy, Oliver. And uh, Ollie's going to be coming here right now. Now, we at Connect, we don't baptize infants. Um, we believe that you need to be able to make that decision to follow Jesus before uh, you can be baptized. But we're going to do a dedication this morning right now, too. So we're going to dedicate Ollie to the Lord, and... Uh, and we'll do that first off here before we uh, before we do the baptisms. So, is there any spontaneous baptizees? I don't see anybody. Oh, you are. Les. All right. Cool. Les is going to be spontaneously baptized. You want to go grab Gene? We'll get you some shorts, and then uh, I'll get you a shirt here in a minute. So, we'll go ahead and do that. Okay. This, and one more. I'm sorry. Where? All right. What's your first name again? Cody. All right. Go. Yeah, go go ahead and go see uh, Jean. She'll get a pair of shorts for you. All right, we, we see many times in the Old Testament, and even Jesus in the New Testament was dedicated to the Lord, and that's what we're going to do right now for Ali. So uh, we'll just, uh, I'll just lay my hands on him, and you can hold him. So uh, we'll just, how old is he? A year and a half. All right, cool. There's a lot of responsibility to uh, uh, raise up a young child. And so at a year and a half, he's a, it's a great time of life for you to be being baptized and for you to bring him forward to be dedicated to the Lord. And so uh, I guess I just want to have an encouragement for you as a dad that uh, as you follow Jesus, make sure you teach Oliver everything that, that you know on how to follow Jesus and put him in that environment to where Jesus is the most important thing in his life. And then as he grows up, he's going to make the same decision that you're making today to follow Jesus and then to follow after him in, in baptism, all right? Everybody, if you just like to just stretch a hand forward for, for Ali, uh, let, I'll just go ahead and pray for him right now. Father God, we thank you for Ali. Thank you for Phil, too, Lord, uh, making this decision today. And we just, we dedicate Ali to you right now. We just lift him up and we pray for him that you would mold and shape this little life, uh, that he would choose to follow after you. Lord, we just pray for Phil and for his example and for the dad that you want him to be, that he would chase after you as well. And as Phil chases after you, Ali has a great example in his life of chasing after you as well. God, we just lift him up and pray that he would make that decision, God. Lord, and I would pray for those people that are influencers in Ali's life, God, that you would speak to their hearts as well. And if Oliver... uh, 
hangs around here and starts following any one of us, God, that he would be following after us and that we would be chasing after you as well. We would be good examples for you. And so we lift them up to you right now. We dedicate it to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give it up for Ollie. All right. Phil, you can take him back to the nursery and then come on back up here. All right. So here we have Bill. I was going to say tell me your name, but I already did that. So tell, tell us how long you've been walking with the Lord and, and why get baptized today. And I'll just go ahead and... Uh, I've been walking with the Lord for probably 30 some odd years, but... I've recently just lost everything down in Texas, walked away from everything, and it's a change for my life, and it's a change for my soul, and this is why I choose baptism today. All right, you're just starting over, and this is a good way to start over. All right, all right. That, it is awesome. Amber, you're next. <laughs> all right, so I said your name. I guess I'll just do that as I go along, all right? So uh, tell us why do you want to be baptized today. Because Jesus has brought me hope and peace already, and I need to be born again in baptism. All right. Yes, he has, and then you are now being obedient by following the Lord. That is awesome. All right. Tana, I'm just going to move down here. Tana, she, you came to me this morning, and, and she goes to set free, right, normally? Don't you go to set free normally? Okay. All right. But she heard about us uh, doing Plunge Fest today, and she wanted to be baptized here today. So, Tana... Uh, why do you want to be baptized? Because I want to get more and more closer to God. All right. You believe Jesus is the Savior of your life, right? Yes. And you've dedicated your life to serving him? Yes, I have. Awesome. Great. That's, give it up for Tana. That's wonderful. All right. Eve, we have Eric and Eve, a couple being baptized this morning. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Eve, why do you want to be baptized today? <laughs> um, this is my outward, um, my commitment to the Lord, that I want everything, who I am and what I do, be of his word um, in my family, in our marriage. Um, I told Eric last night, I'm like, we're getting married to the Lord tomorrow. <laughs> so That's great. That's wonderful. That's great. All right, I'll slide down over this way. Eric? Um, I just want to follow the Lord and the word says that uh, you and your household will be saved and the place where I'm going I would like to see my wife there alright isn't that great man a household being dedicated to the Lord today that's wonderful that is wonderful why do you want to be baptized today uh, I was already baptized uh, in the Missouri River actually by my friend Matthew um, but as in the biblical times, uh, it's a public thing, and not many people were there to see it, so I feel like I should just, and my brother's doing it today as well, so I feel like that's, we should do it together. Oh, that's wonderful. Give it up for brothers being baptized together today. That's great. All right. And Phil, why do you want to be baptized? Uh, because it's the right thing to do, and, uh. I got three sons, and I just want to um, add it to the testimony that he's got for me. All right. That's awesome. Just being obedient and adding to the testimony. That's good. That's a good word. Les? Yeah. 
Why do you want to be baptized today? Well, like Cody, I've been baptized before, and it was in prison. And uh, it's like a, I've been like the prodigal son over and over. And I'm, I just want to rededicate my life to Christ and make it a public announcement. You know, I, I keep on having a lot of shortcomings, but I ain't giving up. And I just, I love all of you. All right, all right, give it up for Les. That's great. All right, friends, friends and family, if you want to step up and just lay hands, uh, and anybody else who would love to, too, I'm just going to pray for everybody here, and then we'll, uh, we will do the baptism. We've got a lot of people moving. That's good. That's good. Father God, we just thank you so much. I thank you for each life that's represented here today and each of their testimonies, God. I just pray a blessing over each one, from the brothers to the family, to individuals, to the dedication of Ali, just everything that you're doing here this morning in the lives of your people. God, it's amazing, it's exciting, and it's one big celebration, God. So I would just pray an anointing and a blessing over each one. God, that as after they follow you in this act of baptism, God, that they would uh, just sense your spirit even stronger in their lives and that you would continue to speak and guide them and they would submit each day, Lord, to your leading and to your spirit as they walk forward from this time, from this public proclamation. God, you have changed them inside to the out and we just thank you so much for that today. Pray a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Well, what we're going to do now is just have everybody line up. Everybody that's being baptized, just go ahead and line up over here. And uh, we'll just baptize you one at a time. So, and then we're going to have a little party, a little celebration with some cake.